This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. David Eichel, HawkeyeInsider.com, alongside Sean Box, Swarmcast Part 24-7 Sports here with a couple rapid-fire topics, Sean. I know we aren't planning on making this a long podcast, but some things need to be uh, addressed. We got the chance to talk with Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz this week. Very informative uh, press conference actually on the following the first day of spring practice. Couple notable topics. Sean, let's start right from the top. I, I, you reported this, I think, a few weeks back, but it's been been made official now. Logan Jones is now switching from defensive tackle to the center spot. And last time Iowa put a defensive lineman and flipped him to center, it worked out pretty well. Tyler Linderbaum. Uh, but look, this is not a desperation move at all. I don't think by Iowa. It's just, you know, Iowa does need a new center. But Logan Jones, I think, would have easily been a rotational player this year had he obviously been healthy, number one, but number two, stayed on the defensive line. And like I said, Sean, I know you reported a few weeks back, but this is a very interesting move, I think. And I think it's a move that does make a lot of sense and has a lot of potential. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like the move. Um, I don't disagree with it at all. Yeah, I heard. Heard some rumblings of it, um, felt good enough to report it. And, you know, it came to fruition earlier this week, or at least, you know, to the public, it became public knowledge. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think when you look at Logan Jones, I think you look at his body, he's kind of got that offensive line mold a little bit. I mean, it's kind of, you just see it, um, you know, it's kind of hard to describe, but I think he's really like, you know, toned to the way that he can play an offensive line and, you know, playing on the interior too, I think that really helps. Obviously, if he was a defensive end guy, I think it might be a little different. But with him playing on the interior of the defensive line, I think it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, you go back to the 2020 class in Iowa, obviously, you know, Logan was an All-American at defensive tackle. You know, some of the noble offensive linemen in that class include Josh Volk, who's now at Iowa, listed as one of the backup guards. Um, Brady Peterson, who was from Ankeny Centennial, who went to Iowa State. Then you have Tyler Miller from Greene County, who went to Iowa State as well. And, you know, I think, honestly, Logan Jones was probably the best offensive line of all of them. And, you know, that's a solid offensive line class in the state of Iowa. I mean, I know those guys really haven't come to fruition at their stops. I know Tyler Miller played a little bit at Iowa State this year, if I if I recall correctly. But, um, you know, Logan was probably the best of those three, and they were all really impressive prospects. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's – I mean, Josh Volk would have had more offers had he, had he wanted more offers. Brady Peterson should have gotten more offers and Tyler Miller just decided to commit pretty early to Iowa state. So um, it makes a lot of sense. I think to move Logan to that new spot, you know, I think he's got the technique down. I think, you know, and Kirk said it earlier this week too, that, you know, he didn't really drop many balls in practice or at least one of the practices. I think there was yeah. only one drop or the ball hit the ground once. And, you know, Linderbaum outside of a couple snaps here and there was pretty perfect when it came to the shotgun and, you know, maybe one or two fumbled snaps, you know, throughout the last three years. Um, but he's been really consistent, and that's what you need. And obviously it's a different scenario going from practice to the game, but I think Jones is really doing all the right things right now to take up that spot. Yeah, and I mean, it's interesting too. I think Iowa does a really good job of understanding where to put guys on the line, whether it be offense or defense. I mean, I know when Aaron Graves signed this past 
season. I know you and I talked a little bit about it. You know, you think his potential is could be higher on the offensive side, but obviously he's going to stick with, you know, the defensive side of the ball. But I think there's a lot of transitive things that can switch over from when you play defensive line and when you play switching over to offensive line. I mean, I think Kirk Ferentz brought the example yesterday of, you know, on defense, if you're trying to pass rush, you're literally bull rushing. If you're going at the guy, you become a mover, right? And you say, if you're on the offensive side of the ball and in the run game, you become that people mover. You want to be able to push them back, not just protect because you're opening up the holes in the run game. So there are things that translate over. I think the snappings obviously give you a huge portion of it. But, you know, Kirk, like you said, Kirk said yesterday that on a Wednesday that him only dropping one ball in the practice is very impressive, especially for a guy that doesn't have a ton of exposure at center. And it is worth mentioning too, Sean, that Michael Mislinski is going to be out this spring. Uh, for people who don't know that, I love his potential at center or guard as well. Uh, he's going to be able to be back by June, but he got hurt down in Florida and he will not be able to go this spring. And it was interesting too, just as a side note, I think Justin Jacobs isn't going to get a lot of work this spring. At least that's what Kirk kind of alluded to. Uh, but Kirk doesn't anticipate right now that anybody will miss the season or miss summer workouts. But uh, flip side of this, Sean, moving on, we have uh, Elijah Yelverton and Cody Ince have officially departed from the University of Iowa football program. Kirk said that Elijah is going to finish his semester and then go back down to Texas where he finishes his degree. And Cody Ince is just going to finish his degree at Iowa, stepping away from football. Cody's had a handful of injuries. Elijah Yelverton really not didn't really never really got his footing under him because of injuries as well. But Yelverton was a guy, Sean, that had 30 plus offers, was a very, very impressive prospect in high school. Uh, he just really never panned out for him uh, on the health side of things. So not really a surprise, but it's nice to, you know, make this news official. Yeah, no, it, uh, I think you know, the writing was kind of on the wall a bit when Iowa started to go after Steven Stilianos, who, you know, Kirk really seemed excited about. Couldn't mention his name specifically because, you know, he's not on the spring ball roster, and I don't believe he signed, like, any sort of letter of intent or yeah. whatever that is for transfers. But, you know, what Kirk said, I mean, was really was really glowing to what, you know, he thinks that Stilianos can bring to the table as, you know, using those two to three tight ends, you know, maybe some 13 personnel with the three tight ends. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there were a lot of things to take away <clears throat> from Kirk's press conference, but I think that was one of the things I really was intrigued to hear. I know, you know, you go after a guy in transfer portal and that makes all the sense in the world, but, you know, there were a lot of question marks with going after Stilianos because I was bringing back Laporta and Lachey. Yeah. And you got to remember, I know when I was talking to Stilianos, he was saying that, you know, Iowa told me that they think that with me in the offense and, you know, having three tight ends, that they can do more things that they want to do that they haven't been able to in the past. And that kind of opened my eyes a little bit because I was like, oh, like, you know, what what could that possibly be? I mean, 13 personnel, maybe they feel better with Stilianos as a blocking tight end. And, you know, maybe that'll give more leeway for Laporta and Lachey to, you know, go out and catch passes, too. Because, sure. I mean, Lachey, I mean, I mean, Laporta was a high school receiver. Everyone knows that. I think he's a little bit better blocker than Lache, than Lachey is, but I mean Lachey was all was all you know going receiving and you know doing things all over the field as well. Um, so you know I, I really like the move, and you know I think Kirk kind of hit on it as well. I mean it's a really intriguing move, and you know not a lot of people are expecting it, but you know I think Iowa making it a point to go after Stilianos and wanting him as bad as they did that, you know, they he could they really think that he can have an impact in the offense right away for the next two years. We'll dive more into, obviously, a lot of this stuff as time continues on. But one of my early breakout players, Sean, I really think that 
that Lachey could have a big, big season. I mean, I thought he was close last year from time to time, had a couple of big catches. His blockings progressed quicker than I thought it was going to, and I think that's a really good sign. I think once he continues to understand the playbook and where he's supposed to be and where everyone else is, there's a handful of plays where he just kind of missed a block or got lost in it, but that's the transition of being a young player in Iowa's offense. But I really, really like his potential. But, Sean, the big news, obviously, for Iowa – Offensive analyst, adding offensive analyst John Budemeyer, uh, the former Wisconsin quarterbacks coach, was Colorado State's offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach this past year uh, before being let go after Sivadazio and his entire staff were let go. I love this move, Sean. This is a move that if you're going to move Brian over to coach quarterbacks, you need a guy like, like Budemeyer to come in and really just be that analyst, be that almost consultant type role, allow them work with the quarterbacks, allow them to really open up the passing game a little bit. And, you know, Brian even admitted on Iowa's podcast, Sean, that he doesn't know a ton about playing quarterback, but it's his job to go out and go meet with people who do and to continue that development. And again, I know people from the outside are upset about the move and I I completely understand it, but Kirk's reasoning was actually, I thought pretty legitimate that a play caller should be working with the quarterbacks. The offense coordinator should be working the quarterbacks directly. I think that's a good thing. But the other side of it too is Kirk said, look, I was no, I've never been an offensive line guy. I was never an offensive line guy when I got hired, but then look, Kirk Ferentz has turned into one of the, the best, you know, offensive line guru coaches, I think uh, in the country. But Sean, going back to the point, I think this is a great move by Iowa. I think Kirk made a priority to bring him in. And I'm very intrigued about how much kind of leash they give him and how much free access they give him to actually work with the quarterbacks and such. Yeah, you said, Dave, I mean, we were talking about this yesterday and you kind of filled me in that, you know, Iowa really, really made it a point to get Budmeyer on staff. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think that's really important. And I mean, if you can have another set of eyes too to run the offense and work with the offense, I know a lot of people are going to look at him and be like, oh, like he was he was coaching Jack Cohen at Wisconsin or, oh, you know, Colorado State's offense wasn't really impressive. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but a Colorado State kind of, you know, gave Iowa some issues last year. Am I am yeah. I wrong on that? No, they did. I mean, it was a lot closer of a game than it should have been. Obviously, right. they had Trey McBride, but I mean, the, the quarterback I thought played pretty decent that game for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, like I said before, too, I, do, I it does not hurt at all to have another set of eyes out there and, you know, be able to observe the field and, you know, see other things because, I mean, it'll help Brian get his feet wet, too, as well. So, you know, I mean, I'm I'm big fan of it. I, I'm going to have a piece out later today about, you know, why I think it's a real positive for the Hawkeyes to have added Budmeier because I know, you know, like I said before, you look at his resume, Colorado State, Wisconsin, not necessarily two schools known for offense, but – you know, I think with the role and, you know, the belief that he had the staff has in him and Kirk Ferentz had in him and, you know, the stuff that he did to get him on staff, like, I really think that's a really good hire. And, you know, one that, you know, you kind of just got to trust, trust the staff in this situation. Um, you know, and I, I think it too, it shows that, you know, the staff sees that, you know, there needs to be improvement. Not to say that they didn't last year, but, you know, to see that they're hiring outside of, you know, certain, certain pockets and, you know, doing certain things and, you know, being a little more creative. I think that's a really positive step forward. I think the main thing that Iowa needs, Sean, is they need consistency. I mean, you look at Iowa hasn't had a quarterback complete more than 60% of their passes since C.J. Beathard did in 2015. And then you look at what Budmeyer did. And I know Jack Cohn isn't 
the sexiest name of the bunch, right, among quarterbacks. But you got to look at his numbers specifically in 2019. He had 236 completions, third most passing yards in a season in Wisconsin history with 27 27, nearly a 70% completion that year as well. It ranks sixth, I mean, seventh nationally. I mean, Iowa doesn't, you know, if Iowa gets that, that's going to be an insane production. But if Iowa can just get to 60 to 62 completion percent, Sean, that wins them another game during the regular season. I mean, there have been so many times where they miss a handful of throws. And again, I know he's not the quarterback's coach, but this is a guy who's played quarterback at the collegiate level. He's had success developing quarterbacks. And on top of that, too, uh, and this is just a side note. This won't be such a huge thing that he adds to Iowa or whatnot, but he was a huge reason why Graham Mertz ended up choosing Wisconsin. And I know Mertz hasn't exactly panned out, but it's still exciting whenever you land an All-American Bowl MVP quarterback that throws five touchdowns and still has the upside that Mertz does. So, you know, I think from a lot of aspects, this makes sense. But it's again, it's going to come down to how much how much rain is he going to be able to have? over developing Iowa's quarterbacks, or is he just going to be in there to provide his outside perspective, maybe throwing a player or two, and that's it. I mean, that, that, that's my big question is what is he going to be able to do and how much freedom is he going to have? Yeah, no, definitely. That's a, uh, that's a fair concern, and, you know, that's a fair thing to bring up because, you know, I think the staff is, you know, kind of just all years at this point and wanting to see, you know, what they can bring and, you know, what they can do to make things different and kind of see – you know, change things up a little bit. And you mentioned consistency as well. I think that'll be a really important process. And, you know, the Graham Mertz one, I thought that point was an interesting point, Dave. Um, you know, maybe that maybe that is, you know, a key for Iowa to get these other quarterbacks. Obviously, you know, Budmeyer wasn't on the staff when Marco Lina is committed, but, you know, maybe that makes it a little more intrigued, you know, for people to see that, okay, like Iowa's working on ways to improve the passing game. You know, they try and hire these guys that, you know, can come in and really make a difference. So, you know, I, I, like I said before, I mean, I'm, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, I do think there was, you know, a lot of, you know, focus this off season on finding different ways to make those improvements. And, you know, they, they did what they needed to do to get out there and get it. And, you know, like I said, maybe it's an attractive thing to recruits as well. Maybe that could really open their eyes and, you know, see that Iowa wants to improve the pass game and obviously getting line as, before all that committed, but, you know, I think this could really benefit, you know, guys like that are already in the room. You know, I'm really interested to hear from when we get to talk to Petrus, Padilla, um, whoever, like what, what impact Boomer has had on the program already. Cause I'm, I'm really interested to see what aspect he can bring. Yeah, no, no doubt. And I, I believe we're going to be able to talk to Brian Ferentz next Wednesday as well. And I'm very eager to ask him about, you know, what's his role and get more specifics into what he's actually going to do. Because again, analyst, offensive analysts, you can go about anywhere with it. I mean, it really does vary by school by school about what type of freedom they have. But, you know, Sean, it just goes back to the reality of Iowa's quarterback situation with the experience they have at almost every position with Petrus, if he wins the starting job, which I think he will, being in his third year, there's got to be an immediate improvement. And the criticism for Brian Ferentz is only going to get louder and louder and louder if there's not immediate, immediate improvement. And I think that's the reality. And I know we talked about when Brian got moved to quarterback's coach, essentially Kirk is doubling down on Brian's ability. And I think from a development standpoint, Brian, he cannot be questioned. I think he does a great job coaching positions. It's his play calling and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but 
ultimately, like if anybody's complaining about Iowa bringing in offensive analysts, like there's no point to it. It's, it's a good fit. It makes a lot of sense on a lot of fronts. The guy is coached in the Big Ten. He's played in the Big Ten. He knows what it takes to win in the Big Ten. So, I don't know. It, again, all in all, I think I think it's a good move, Sean. And it'll be eager. It'll be interesting when you and I start, you know, interviewing these players over the next couple of weeks to really get a gauge about where this team is going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. You you kind of hit on all the points there. So I don't know how much we uh, <laughs> how much more we need to dive into. No, and I I don't think really we missed too much else. I know we have a lot of coverage at HawkeyeInsider.com. Uh, recapping everything, obviously the uh, NFL drafts next month, and uh, it, it'll be an exciting time, and especially with spring football around the corner. So be sure to follow us at David Eichel, at SBOC247, at Hawkeyes on 247, and be sure to go to HawkeyeInsider.com for the most in-depth coverage of your Iowa Hawkeyes. Until then, talk to you soon.